My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Tuesday the 1st of August. I'm Sam Kozlowski. I'm Nina Kopel, standing in for Zara. There's been a spate of shootings in Sydney. A man executed while sitting in his vehicle in the underground car park of an apartment complex in busy Bondi Junction. Two men have been shot in a brazen daylight attack at a Marrickville barber. In breaking news, a man in his 30s has been shot outside a home in the Sydney suburb of Greenacre. Sydney's gun crime epidemic has claimed two more lives with a man gunned down at Canterbury early today, his body lying in the street with children walking by. We believe the shootings are related to drug gangs in Sydney's criminal underworld. But why has this escalation happened now? And if the police know what's fueling this violence, why can't they stop those responsible? Daily Telegraph crime editor Mark Morrie is going to answer those questions and more in a very interesting deep dive. But first, Nina, it was a very sad day for AFL fans yesterday. And a very sad day for you, Sam. I know it hit you hard. It was hard. a hard one. Buddy Franklin has announced his retirement from the AFL effective immediately. The Swans forward debuted in 2005 and played 354 games for Hawthorne and Sydney. He kicked 1,066 goals. That's the fourth most of all time. Tasmanian authorities have confirmed a body found in bushland last week as missing teen Shana Lee Tatnell. DNA testing formally identified the 14-year-old who went missing from Launceston in April. A 36-year-old man has been charged with murder in relation to her disappearance. The Australian Space Agency has shared its findings surrounding the origins of an object that washed up on a WA beach. The agency says they believe the 250-kilogram object is most likely debris from a polar satellite launch vehicle operated by the Indian Space Research Organisation. And today's good news if you think you slept in on the weekend. A preserved 46,000-year-old roundworm has been revived after it was found in Siberian permafrost. Scientists hope the findings will help them better understand evolutionary processes. That is actually wild. It's a long time to be asleep. There's been a lot of stories in the news in the last few weeks about shootings in Sydney and their connections to drug gangs and underworld crime. And I had a lot of questions. I wanted to know what was going on and what really needs to happen to bring this violence to an end. So I thought, who better to ask than crime editor at The Daily Telegraph, Mark Murray. You might know him from his explainers on TikTok, but he's been following this story since the 70s. Mark, thanks so much for joining us on The Daily Oz this morning. Good to talk to you. So just over the last month, we've seen multiple shootings in Sydney. At one point, there was a number of shootings across a five-day period. For those of us who literally have no idea where this story starts, what's happening here? Well, it's in five days, we had three young people shot at Greenacre in the middle of the night. Now, one of those has since died, but two of those were believed to be totally innocent, where the target was a 24-year-old man and one of the bullets strayed and hit a young couple. Then there was another shooting at Canterbury where a young drug dealer was killed. In between, we had a defence lawyer uh, Mahmoud Abbas, who was very high profile, he was shot outside his home in uh, Bankstown and lived. So, and then there was uh, another shooting as well. So 
we've had five people injured in five days and, you know, one of them, the bodies was laying in the middle of the street in Canterbury where young school children were walking past before it was covered. And that's really raised a lot of people's fears about how what's going on on our streets. But where has this all come from? Like, is this just a annual occurrence or is there something particularly at play here that's led to this spike? No, you do find little clusters. I'll be honest, I've been around a long time, you know, and I've been watching these shootings and I've seen it a lot worse, which is a pretty sad thing to say. But what we've found, it, it's all being driven by, by drug money. Invariably, it's by the fact that somebody either has bought, you know, a whole lot of cocaine and, and not paid the dealer or somebody strayed into someone's territory and that's created a problem because the amount of money being made from cocaine is enormous. And especially in Sydney, we pay the highest prices in the world. And that makes it the most profitable. And so are you comfortable linking all of these murders to kind of that wider drug trade? Invariably, although in the last two years, there's been over 20 people murdered. Some of those mm. innocent victims. Now, not all of them are, are strictly related to the drug trade. They may be amongst criminals who are involved in the drug trade who have got a personal vendetta or, or hate each other or they just become enemies, you know. But it starts invariably with a drug war. How do you know all of this? <laughs> I know it's a bit of an odd question, but where, where are you basing this information off? I'll be really honest. Uh, for many, many years, I've been in Sydney, based in Sydney. I had a short stint overseas. But, so I've got to know a lot of police officers over the years, but I also have a number of, of underworld contacts that I've got to know over the years. And myself and another reporter, Josh Hanrahan, we, you know, we spend a lot of time going out and about and you get information and we verify it. Like I'll get an information from a guy who's a, a crook or been a crook. And then I'll go and make sure that I get it verified maybe by a police officer. We don't report rumor. We have to double check everything. Right. Sometimes some things are a bit murky because as you can understand in this world, not everybody's honest. <laughs> um, yeah. And also the police sometimes are very, very protective of their information. They don't like things getting out there because it tips off people they might be arresting or plans they have. So it's a fine line walking between both the crooks and the cops. And that's what you have to do to try and do what we do um, well. I'm interested then with your sense of how the underworld in Sydney is feeling at the moment. Is there a sense of fear within your key contacts now because of this spate of shootings? Yeah, there is. I mean, you, you really, you've hit it right on the head. At the moment, there'd be 80 to 100 well-known Sydney crooks who are living overseas in either Lebanon or Turkey. Most of them are dual nationals who have got out of Sydney in the last year or two. Because when you have these shootings going on, the police do go out there and start smashing anybody and everyone they can. They've got to be seen to be doing things, making life hell, even if they can't get them on serious charges. But because of the way that people are being shot outside gyms and, and, and the frequency, a lot have got out of Sydney because they're worried they're going to be shot. So if we kind of know that a lot of these shootings have drugs and this gang revenge rivalry behind them, why do you think it's so hard for police to stop them and not put those serious charges on, on them, as you're saying, and have to kind of skirt around the edges? Because the criminals have got very, very good at getting rid of evidence. There'll be three or four cars stolen. Sometimes it, some of those cars are stolen for a year ago and are put in storage. 
They then set on fire to get rid of DNA, fingerprints. There's another car waiting. Um, a lot of the times the people stealing the cars sell them to people who then pass them on to other people who have no idea. So the mm. big players are very careful. There was actually one that was in a court case, and I was amazed when I saw it. Police had intercepted a phone, and in it they saw in the WhatsApp group there was a chat saying, uh, who will go and hit so-and-so for 100000 So there was a WhatsApp group advertising for a hit crime. Is that, is that kind of how much it costs to kill someone these days, is about 100000 It depends a lot. That was an old one for a start. You've got to think, I know this sounds a bit crass, but there's a lot of overheads. So 100000 is fairly cheap. It does depend on, on who the target is. Yeah. There was Meridian, who was shot at Bondi Junction. He was a high-ranking commandero who was taking precautions. Now. I've heard conservatively that would have cost anywhere from 600000 to a million. Um, wow. That's because he's such a big player. Lots of risks. There were two, two shooters, two or three stolen guns. Then there are safe houses for those guys to go to. The guns cost money. But there are other people out there. There are other very young, young criminals in, in young gangs, particularly young islanders and Syrians, who are preyed upon by, by the organized crime groups who are willing to try and shoot people for, for not a lot of money. Mm. And again, they will be being paid by a whole range of intermediaries so that that protects the top people. So you, as I said, there have been a lot of people arrested for buying cars for these murders, but the police haven't put up the chain a lot because all those bayers, the way they got so clever at doing that. So it's clear that organised criminals in Sydney, but I'd say probably more broadly speaking across Australia, have levelled up. What do you think of the police response? So New South Wales Police have launched this task force, Task Force Magnus. Do you think that'll be effective in stopping the next five shootings? I think that Task Force Magnus has been announced publicly to placate the public. Will they stop the next five shootings? They will. They'll, they'll stop some shootings, but not all of them. And then they have to get mm. practical. They can't keep all these cops on the street 24-7 with, without having uh, blowing the state budget. And then the shootings will start again. As I said, I've been seeing it going on and off for 40 years. And there might be a lull for six months, 12 months. Then there'll be another another crew that'll come along and then they'll start a, they'll start a war. So what is the solution then? How do you How do you cut the head off the snake? You have to stop drugs coming into the city right. or, which I don't think will really work, we've got to stop people taking drugs. And I've spoken to cops, I'm just going, well, look, we know that all this cocaine's driving all these gang wars. What happens if we legalise it? And they go, well, you'll still have the cartels trying to come in and undercut the legal market. So that makes it a bit difficult. I really don't understand where, how we can stop it. You know, it's, mm. I said, you know, ideally it'd be if there were there was no production out of South America and no cocaine, but that's just been unrealistic. So um, I don't know. What we've got to stop is the new the new breed of, of shooter is what worries me. Is they are so reckless. You know, the guy's going into the barber shop in Marrickville on a Friday afternoon and opening fire. There was another incident last year outside a gym and the bullets strayed and went into a childcare centre next door. Yeah. In the 80s, I remember covering there was a gangland war where eight to 10 people were shot or went missing. Now, I think one of those, one was in the daytime. The rest were done in the middle of the night, very quietly. Some just disappeared and their bones were found years and years later. That's how the murders were done. The hits were done then. Hardly ever in public 
We've seen, you know, there was a guy called Wally Ahmed who was shot sitting having coffee at a rooftop at Bankstown when a guy went up and they opened fire there and a, and a stray bullet went and hit a lady at a coffee table next to him. In the old days, they didn't really do that many public shootings and now they're just, they're shooting broad daylight with semi-automatic weapons. That's what's the scary thing. Mark, last question from me. You, you've been around the traps a lot, very clearly. You, you've got a lot of strong contacts in this kind of other side to Sydney than a lot of us see. Are you worried about your own personal safety when reporting this kind of thing? Yeah, a little bit now. Again, never used to be because in the old days of, of pure newspapers, we were a little bit more anonymous with social media very visible. Mm. Also, I mean, I've, I've had guys come from headlock in a pub because they're very unhappy about what I've written. So it's a little bit scary. And again, they don't seem to have the rules that they used to have. You know, we've seen a women shot dead, uh, a woman called Lometa Faltawa. She was shot dead in the old days. Again, women weren't shot. They'd never put people's lives in danger in the public because they knew it was bad for business. Killing a journalist used to be bad for business. Uh, and I hope it mm. is. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is a bit of a worry. But I, I, I'm thinking that they've got more important things to do than try and get me. So I'm just reporting what the underworld and the police know already. We're just letting the public know about it. Well, Mark, I really appreciate your time kind of illuminating this side of the city that we don't talk about that much. Uh, and we really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining us on The Daily Oz today. If you liked this episode and you're listening on Spotify, as always, we'd love to hear your questions, your comments. You can pop them in the box under the episode description. Sam and Zara will be back again tomorrow. Until then, have an excellent day.